0: Prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of Aftershocks Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. All right, well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Aftershocks here on AftershocksPodcast.com. And my guest on today's podcast is the vocalist from New York Hardcore's notorious party to you, Drop Kings, who are ready to get ready to release their brand new full-length title, Wasted for Life. It comes out August 14th on Dead City Records, and I'm sure this guy is still drinking plenty of that old E still this day. Welcome to Mr. Dean Miller. Dean, man, thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on. I am actually drinking a beer right now.
0: Nice. What are you drinking?
1: Uh, today I'm drinking a nice cold six point sweet action. It's a beer from Brooklyn, New
0: York. Awesome! Is like an IPA or one of those types.
1: Uh, I think it's a cross between a cream ale and a and a pale ale. Oh. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in that in that uh, in that neighborhood.
0: Very nice, man. Well, it's yeah, good. I, yeah. Well, that's what's good about these days. You don't got to drink the malt liquor. They get that really good buzz, you know, so you don't have to drink the piss of Budweiser and all that stuff, you know. You got a lot of a lot of good crap beers around these days, you know.
1: Yeah, now these beers, I mean, you you can't go to a store and buy one that's under 7% alcohol. It's hard to find them, you know? But yeah, exactly. Some days you don't want all that booze. You just want a nice mm-hmm. cold beer. But uh, yeah. yeah, all of them are very high alcohol now, which uh, that's all right, I guess,
0: you know? Yeah, sure, I know. Absolutely, man. Well, well, cool, man. Well, first, uh, you know, my obviously my first question, like I ask everybody these days, is how you doing with this whole pandi- you know, pandemic that's going on? I mean, did you did you guys with the new record, did you guys have that? Ready to go before this happened, or were you able to kind of complete it over the last few months?
1: Well, yeah, this really, I mean, the pandemic, which, uh, yeah, man, it really sidetracked us. Um, it really kind of, it, uh, it really sidetracked us. We, we had things ready to go uh, prior to, you know, prior to this whole ha- pandemic happening. We were, we were getting ready to uh, uh, to do a release release, uh, I would say maybe it was about a month before we were scheduled to play the Black and Blue Bowl, which was mm. originally scheduled to happen in May. Okay. Uh, we were going to do like a release party in Manhattan, mm. um, you know, to launch the record. We were all set. Everything was ready to go. And then we were going to follow that up with the Black and Blue Bowl appearance. And then, you know, shows uh, over the summer, et cetera. But uh, that kind of screwed everything up. Uh, so we, we said, you know, what, let's just wait and see which kind of turn this thing takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but as everybody knows, it's uh, it's it's not taking a turn. It's going full speed ahead. Yeah. So we said, you know what? Screw it. We're just gonna go full speed ahead too then, and we're just gonna do our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna release the record, and uh, once you know, uh, things. Once we're able to play gigs, we'll be out there playing gigs again, and we'll be playing the new songs, and that's that's it. I mean, we can't keep this thing in the can forever. So.
0: Sure. No. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Well, yeah, let's talk about the new record, man, Wasted for Life. It's your guys' first full-length uh, studio recording since, I believe, still drinking, right, back in 07? Uh,
1: that is correct.
0: Yeah, and I know you guys had the live record high in Holland back in 2010, and uh, yep. but I mean it's it's still great to see that you guys are making new music. I know you guys always had sort of your own way of putting out records. You never were on a schedule. You just kind of did it on the fly whenever you. You were able to do it. You did it. Um, and of course, yep. not, you know, and, and not much has changed from what I'm listening to, man. The fun and maniacal nature of the band is still intact on the record. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just, you know, I guess I assume like most hardcore bands, you know, uh, regular life gets in the way and it's tough to record music and, you know, play shows like, you know, you could when you were younger and you had less responsibilities. So, I mean, musically, what have you guys been up to for the last decade? Because it's been a while since we heard from you guys in terms of new music
1: yeah i mean um so after we did the uh so you said you mentioned the live record uh Mm -hmm. and then uh, we had like an ep out uh called america's favorite hardcore band we did that uh that was mostly uh, we it was a european release uh we also did some gigs for it over in japan And, um, you know, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really, uh, you know, readily available in the United States. Um, but, uh, we were sort of, as I like to say at the time, we were sort of, uh, in, in, in like a. A state of homeostasis
0: mm-hmm. where
1: we were like, well, OK, so we can keep playing as many gigs as we want a year. Mm-hmm. We could, um, you know, go on tour. We could do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of was of the mindset. Well, hey, if we're going to continue to be a band, um, I want to have something new to offer people. Sure. I want to I want to keep it uh, interesting for us. Uh, And keep it interesting for people that are coming to see us. Um, I don't want to play the same, you know, uh, 30 songs every time we play a gig. I'd like to throw some new ones in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So my brother uh, and I started writing some new material and then we, you know, took it to the rest of the fellas and we You know, a long process of demoing these songs and rehearsing these songs and rewriting them and then demoing them again and then all the stuff that goes into it. And we we started the process about four years ago and um, we were done with it last year as far as uh, having it all recorded and mixed and edited. Um, We we got it mastered. uh, I think it was December of last year. And then we were still waiting on the artwork. We had some holdups with the artwork. Uh, We wanted to make it a nice looking package because it's going to be released. uh, Well, rather, it is released on 12 inch vinyl, CD, digital, all that. But we wanted it to look nice. Um, So, you know, that took some time. And uh, like you said, I mean, we're just, you know, we're just regular guys. Uh, um, You know, we don't play 230 shows of the year Mm -hmm. and get paid to do our thing. Sure, yeah. I mean, We do, you know, we do gigs when we can. Uh, We go on tour when we can. Uh, You know, we all have families and uh, nine to five jobs. And, uh, hey, man, we just, uh, you know, we've been doing this thing for 30 years Mm -hmm. and uh, we have no plans of of ever stopping doing it. But, yes, we do it at our uh, on our schedule. I think that's really the only way to do it. Um, and, And quite honestly, in the past we've had opportunities to do it, um, on a, let's say uh, a more professional level. And we've always uh, decided we're not sort of interested in that sort of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. Uh, let's just say sure. it like that. Uh, mm-hmm. we want to do things on our, on our terms all the time, or mm-hmm. we're not happy doing them. So, and that's, I think really the essence of the punk rock attitude Sure. Is, um, you know, uh, sort of having your own identity and uh and 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 forget what everybody else tells you or expects of you and Mm. so that's kind of how we go about our business i mean uh Sure. You know, we're happy to have the new record out finally. Uh hopefully people are going to dig it. Uh I, I think they are. I'm, pre- oh, yeah. I'm I'm real happy with it. We think it's our best record yet. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, we're excited to get out and uh, and and or rather we're excited to have it out and have some people start hearing it and and hear what they think, you know.
0: Sure, yeah, man. Well, yes, yeah, the new record is great, man. Um Thank I, you. I, I listen Thank to it, too. it's great. I mean, I'm I'm just I'll point out a couple songs I really dig. Obviously, you got Brew Crew that's like your classic Type of no yeah. redeeming song, you know, anthemic, you know, drinking song. I love it. You know, it's just
1: it's like a it's like a street rock always sing along song. Yeah,
0: totally, man. I love it. And then my, my favorite song on the record is Shatterproof, man. I think that's a great song. <laughs> wow. Um, well
1: thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. It's it's uh it's Definitely a tie for me as being the favorite. That was supposed to be the single.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. But, uh,
1: we, yeah, we decided against that uh, sort of at the last minute. Mm. Um, the single, which was released, uh, is is released, and it's available now on 7-inch on Pitchfork, New York, oh. uh they they they've been doing this back to school series with uh, bands like Rancid and Murphy's Law and what uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Agnostic Front etc. Um, so they asked us to do something and we used it as our single uh, to release the single which we decided to use the title track Wasted for Life. Okay, uh, but that was a last minute decision. We wanted to we wanted to use Shatterproof, but mm-hmm. we just felt that that was. A little too different for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: people uh, people don't expect us to do a song like that. Totally. Yep. So we were like, well, maybe, uh, you know, it's a little bit more palatable for people uh, as far as a single to have something that, uh, you know, they can identify us with. Sure. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. You know. Yeah,
1: uh, so we we went with that, but yeah, I really love Shadowproof. I'm glad you like it too. Uh, I'm oh, yeah. excited about that song. I really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, well, what's like you said, it's definitely a little bit different than what you guys normally do. It's, I mean, lyrically, you know, it's definitely got more of a, it's a little more serious and fire you, you know, it fires you up type of, you know, it's. A, I mean, lyrically, it's kind of about like overcoming all the bullshit that's going on. It sounds like you know. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, and so it's it's definitely a little... That's why I think I love it, because it's something that was a little unexpected to me. You know, it wasn't a typical, you know, fun, party type of song. I mean, it was a little bit more serious. And, of course, you also got... The other song that stuck out to me was Sociophilia about mm. social media, of course, you know, the big sewer there that we love to yep. call social media. Um, so, yeah, I love that you got, you know, a little more of the pissed-off, serious type of stuff on this, along with, of course, uh, you know, your traditional type of songs as well. Um, did you, like, when... when Did you get to release a bit more, I guess, than you normally you know would in terms of like you know, I wouldn't say angst, but you just was it like I guess, um, what what am I trying to see? I guess did you deliberately, I guess, write lyrics that are a little bit you know a little bit different, a little more serious than obviously what you're used to doing? Was that done deliberately?
1: Interesting. Um, So it's interesting you picked up on that, and I think you you described that uh, quite accurately. Um, So. Deliberately. Well, so when I'm thinking about writing songs, I'm I'm definitely thinking about uh, writing songs about beer. Uh, Mm -hmm. About partying uh, about stuff like that. Sure, but so now, you know You have 10 songs on a record or well We originally had 12 songs that we were looking to do but uh, we you know 10 songs I I go to the guys with 10 songs and I say hey guys here's the songs and they're like well Wow, man, you got 10 songs here about uh, getting wasted like uh, (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah, you know, maybe we're overemphasizing that aspect of Mm -hmm. things a little bit too much. So um our our bass player John and our drummer Glenn they they come from a sort of different mindset. Glenn is in like a, a much heavier uh, band called Billy Club Sandwich. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, our bass player John uh, was originally in a, in, a, in a group called Awkward Thought where he was mm-hmm. the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they were more of a punk band. Um, so they, you know, these guys come from sort of different, uh, things and they're like, Hey, we, you know, we were fans of you guys before we joined the band, but at the same time, you know, maybe we, uh, maybe we try a couple of different approaches with some songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, we had, uh, something for the song Shatterproof. Um, it was a song about beer, uh, prior to us changing it. Um, and then I, we had this music and the lyrics just weren't fitting and I, basically gave john a paper and a pen and i he we were at rehearsal and he went into the other room and he came back with this full sheet of lyrics and i looked at it and i sang it over the what we were doing with the music there and it just it was perfect it was a perfect fit and i said all right man well that's that you really like it uh uh, you you didn't you don't want to you sure it's not too uh, serious you sure it's not too uh you know uh (laughs) aggressive you sure it's not too? i said no man you know like You know, when the band first started, we every song we wrote wasn't about beer. We wrote songs about all kinds of stuff—homelessness, about Mm -hmm. uh, about uh, about racism, about uh, Mm -hmm. about all sorts of stuff. I mean, over the years, we kind of strayed away from that, and we we, you know we tried to keep it light. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, man, you know, if there's a message and we feel strongly about something, for sure, we're gonna try and uh, put it out there. You know. sociophilia is another thing, um, that was kind of deliberate. Uh, my brother and I were writing lyrics and that's what we came out with. And, uh, and, uh, you know, of course the song had uh, changed over the four years that we were messing with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's very, um, you know, people can definitely relate to that topic now. Um, I'm not sure if we invented that word "sociophilia" or not. I think we may have actually invented a word.
0: But,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if we didn't, I mean, okay. But I, I'm pretty sure we invented that term.
0: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice man. <laughs> no, I love it, man. It's like I said, it's, the, the album's great, man. And let's let's talk a bit about the band uh, during it. You know, you guys' inception back in the late '80s. Uh, yeah, late '80s. Uh, yeah. Like you guys, man, I grew up in the same, you know, same area. You guys are from Queens Village. Uh, Am surprised to hear that nobody, yeah. knows where at Queens Village. And, you man. know, it's right. It's interesting. Nobody, you never meet hardly anybody that's from there. It's pretty funny. I mean, it's true. I always you know? say
1: to be, people, "Say where are you from?" I say Jamaica.
0: I say Jamaica, Jamaica, Jamaica it, Avenue. Yeah, <laughs> right, because that's where Queens Vill- uh, Jamaica Avenue runs right through Queens Village. Exactly. People know where that is, so.
1: You know, but nobody knows where Queens Village is. They're no. like, Where's that? I'm like, Well, it's right next to Hollis. So yeah.
0: if you know where that is. Yeah. yeah. You just say run D M C Hollis. Okay, they kinda get right. it. No, that yeah, totally. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys, yeah, and you guys I didn't realize you guys actually started um at the old oh man, I used to go to those too, man, the, the Battle of the Bands at Or Lady of Lords. I grew up like about three and a half blocks from the Lords. Oh okay. um, right there. So I mean I remember those days, man, when like every weekend, you know, stuff going on all the time with bands playing, those battle of the bands. I mean you had you know, Norin Bates and the Showerheads. I mean, oh, they yes. were the Our big
1: favorites. Our brothers. Yeah, right?
0: yeah. I mean, oh, oh. it was great. I, mean, I remember just seeing people walking around the neighborhood with those shirts. This is before I even knew who they were. And I'm like, Me what, too. Same what, yeah, what is this? Nolan Bates and the Showerheads. I had no idea until I, you know, I got about a year or two later. I figured out who they were. i man, what a great band they were. And, oh, God, and you, you know, and of course, the other hometown uh, guys, uh, Six and Violence. Oh yeah, you know? oh yeah,
1: another favorite of ours. Absolutely. Yeah, man, Queens
0: Village has got you know a lot of hardcore, and then Howie Abrams, you know, uh, the A and yeah. R extraordinary. He's from Queens Village too. So, yep. Yep. you know, Queens Village is all over the New York hardcore uh, map. Maybe not as much as Astoria, but you know, it's uh, it's up there, man. It's it's got its its history. You know, what I mean, <laughs> you know, and I mean, Six and Violence. I know you've you've uh, I think you've mentioned I've seen in interviews, man. You're a big fan of them, obviously. Huge. Uh, you're right, fit. yeah. People don't realize too. You know, I have a, um, I have this other podcast I do, and my, my uh, partner, he actually did a, um, a, a interview with Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. A lot oh, of people okay. don't realize that he, guested on one of those uh, albums from Six and Violence on a song, which is very interesting because he, cause he the,
1: did. He was he played the flute actually. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, yeah,
1: the, the Six and Violence and the Showerheads are, you know absolutely are our biggest influences and, more or less the reason we started a band is because, you know, coming from that neighborhood that you, that you mentioned and having these battle of the bands go on like every week that we were so, so fortunate to have that experience growing up. I mm-hmm. mean, imagine being, well, you don't have to imagine cause you were there, but you know, you were 13 years old or, 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 you know, teen young teenagers and, you know, heavy metal bands are playing every week at mm-hmm. the local place down the block. And we can go and, mm-hmm. and, be part of it and meet the bands and form your own band and go up there and play if you want to mm-hmm. and, and i mean that that shaped our our young lives basically and then getting to know the guys that were in the bands that were playing up there and saying to yourself hey shit you know i i'm going to do this too and mm-hmm. you know and they the you know those guys were so encouraging to us and 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 helpful and and those guys are my best friends now oh, i mean it, it's awesome. really like when you say like live your dreams uh yeah that was like a dream come true for me um, sure. to to be able to 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 meet people that i idolized and then to be able to perform with them and, and, and become friends with them. And boy, that's really, I mean, that's, you know, people say, what is success? Like that's a success story right there. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is one.
0: No, you know, sure. coming all the way
1: from Queens Village, there's not many success stories coming out of there. No, man. there's not. <laughs> no. That's, one, that's one of them, right
0: there. That's one of them. No, absolutely, man. And uh, yeah, and you, um, I did read something that you know, when you guys started out, you got st- your start in the local metal queen circuit. Talk a bit about that. What were the like? What kind of bands were in that circuit? And did you notice in that metal circuit was it more of like a hardcore tinge sound that most of the bands had? Because I remember when I grew up, I mean, really in the in the nineties. Uh, there really wasn't so much, you know, of a uh, like a serious like metal scene. It's sort of like metal morphed in with the hardcore scene together, and sort of both metal and hardcore bands played. It was one of those things. If you were a metal band, you really started in the hardcore scene, and then once you, you know, you went outside the Outer boroughs and you maybe you went to different states, and you started playing with different bands. Then you maybe were able to kind of get out of that circuit. But it was usually most of the circuits were in that hardcore. Um, sort of, you know, uh, sound in that style. What was it like when you guys started? I mean, how did it really, how did you start? Other than the Battle of Bands, what other kind of uh, circuits were you guys in and what bands were you playing with?
1: Well, when we started, um, we we didn't really know uh, what hardcore was uh as far as like we weren't trying to become a hardcore band um we were familiar with i mean i was familiar with fear i was familiar with black flag and mm-hmm. and circle jerks um but i mean at the same time i was also listening to you know uh i don't know hanoi rocks and mm-hmm. uh and uh the ramones and uh you know slayer whatever was around at the time you know um so we, we didn't make a conscious effort to say, hey, you know, let's go and be a hardcore band. We were just playing some goofy tunes, like whatever we could make up, uh, you know, songs about beer for fun and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that said, all the other bands that we had, you know, access to to play with, um, as you said, yeah, it, a lot of them all of them were metal bands mm-hmm. we were like this weird oddball band that would play on a bill with you know five metal bands uh, on like the college night at, at the at the pub and uh you know one band would be doing like you know um I don't know like a glam metal thing the other band would be doing like you know a heavier uh, Like a sort of uh, not quite as heavy as Slayer, but like along those lines type of thing mm-hmm. um, You know We played with a lot of those type of groups, and we were the only hardcore band Going at that time um, So people kind of thought we were goofy in like a Beastie Boys sort of way mm-hmm. um, Which we definitely were and um, And, you know, never took our thing seriously. But uh, we brought people to the gigs and we made it a good time. So, you know, they couldn't deny us uh, a second chance to to keep doing it. Uh So we kept doing it and uh, we would still play with all these metal groups. Um, One actually notable metal group that we played with back then. We played at this place on Northern Boulevard in Queens called Nobodies. It was, uh, you know, it was a a local bar, but they had a stage and they let bands play there. And we would, you know... uh, Local guys would throw gigs there, and it would be us, and, you know, again, a bunch of metal gr- metal bands. Mm-hmm. But uh one notable band that we played there with, that when we saw this band play, we all looked at each other, and we were like, these guys are going to be big time one day. And that band was Candiria. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. in those early days, like, mm-hmm. and we've known those guys, like... <laughs> You know, we still see each other, and we laugh about crap like that. Like, man, remember we used to play all those weirdo metal shows on like a Thursday night and stuff. Like, uh-huh. yeah, sure do. Um, you know, it, it was that's what we played with. We we didn't know uh, not until. Um, you know, we recorded a, a, a demo tape, like a halfway decent demo tape and started giving it around to people and people started coming to the gigs uh, and, and saying to us, hey, you guys are a hardcore band. You guys need to be playing CBGBs. You guys should be playing, you know, uh, down, downtown New York, uh, all these other bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? You, you mean <laughs> we can go play with Agnostic Front? Like, wh- how would we even do that? Like, I don't know those guys. How do you get a gig with Agnostic Front? I, I have mm-hmm. no idea. So, <laughs> so we kind of were just running in our own Circle and we didn't even, you know, I knew Agnostic Front was, you know, I had the tape, but I didn't know um, you could go play a gig with them. I, I thought these guys were like uh, there was a whole other world to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, even like sick of it all. Those being those guys being like local guys, like they didn't run around the same like metal uh, band scenes that we did. They they you know, they had their own thing going on, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, eventually when we got the opportunity uh to play at these places downtown new york uh we just we just went with it and then that's when we realized that wow there is like a whole hardcore scene Mm. and we you know we are that that's where we fit in we we didn't know we were just some goofy punk guys you know mm,
0: sure yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no that's awesome man and when you guys started out too when you first got signed you were signed by that striving for togetherness records right kevin gill yeah that that's was right. such a great label man um i really remember was, yeah. yeah it really was because what was great about that label was they really just they wound up signing a, a bunch of bands from Really, uh, you know, outside of, like, the Manhattan scene. They went into the Bronx, got bands like District 9 and Fahrenheit 451. Obviously, yeah. got you guys at Queens and Six and Violence and VOD and Neck that came out of Long Island. I mean, they just really, they were really, like, in tune with what was really going on with the up-and-coming hardcore Scene at that time, and uh, it was such a great r- label. And then, of course, you guys were also in that New York Hardcore Chronicle, uh, the documentary, the one before the Chronicles. You know, Chronicles is yes. a fantastic film. D- you know, Drew Stone, great director, great dude. Right. Um, but back in the mid 90s, <clears throat> that documentary was of, uh, Frank Pavich. Um yeah. that was I love that documentary. One of the reasons why I loved it so much is because it was it wasn't talking about hardcore from a you know a historical perspective. It was talking about it from the, you know, the modern days perspective at that time. Um and it really I mean they talked and it was also it had the different factions in there. They talked about the straight edge sort of Krishna core bands like one oh eight, you guys and Murphy's Law more the party bands, uh, as I mentioned, you know, the suburb bands like VOD, I mean it was such a, I took, the only thing that sucked about that was, I remember it took about four years or so to to come out. It took a while to get, you know, cleared and, and uh, made, you know, for, for distribution and sale. But uh, that was a, a, such a great documentary. And uh, to me, I just, I mean, it's no disrespect to Hardcore um, today, you know, over the last 20 years or so. But I just feel like, you know, Hardcore, The it's just, I won't say it's lost like steam, but it just doesn't have sort of that cachet and that, Real, I guess, vibrance and, and, you know, intensity that it used to have, you know, back in the 80s and 90s during its, you know, glory days, I think. I,
1: I agree with you. Um, I think it was much, um, you know, when you spoke about uh, SFT records, Striving for Togetherness records, um, you know, Kevin Gill and and his wife, Barbara, uh, they they. Discovered all those bands and they and they helped these bands break in, into mm-hmm. a different whole different market um, And what they created around that record label was really like a family atmosphere. We were all family I went to all those bands shows and mm-hmm. they came to all of our shows and we helped them You know package up their seven inches and they helped us do the same thing and we all work together uh, striving for togetherness
0: uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we, we all
1: work together uh, for this common goal and 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 The great thing about it, and I was talking with Caesar from District Nine about it, uh, and he, we were both saying, like, man, like that collection of bands was so different from one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were, we were all like, we all had our little, you know, thing that we were doing, and every band did it so differently, and Mm -hmm. there was so much flavor there. Sure. Um, It it was it was really something special. That was like catching lightning in a bottle at the time. That was really just great. Um, And then, you know, the the uh, the New York hardcore uh, documentary um, that Frank Pavich did. Uh, in cooperation with uh, striving for togetherness, um, they put that together, and they mm. really showed, you know, that sort of the, the differences between all these all of these bands, how all of these bands come from the same scene, and how different the people in each of these bands are. Yep. But yet we exist in this in this awesome world mm-hmm. together, and everybody just it, it gets along, and and it's just really uh, you know we were really doing like. We had a movement going is what it was, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think people sort of that came before that into hardcore uh in the 80s and then people that sort of dropped out of it in the 90s kind of missed out a lot about uh, you know on that a lot um i feel sorry for people that missed that totally. era of things uh, because now you go back to say the current day and you know there's a lot of awesome bands out there mm-hmm. but yeah the differences in the bands you know like like mm-hmm. district nine had such like a hip-hop thing uh, about them like a feel to them uh, mm-hmm. the six and violence i i still can't even describe their music no i know know, (laughs) like rush on like you know crack or something um and then and then there's like you know bands like us that was doing more like like the warzone style old school Mm. thing um Mm. you know mixed in with like a murphy's law (laughs) vibe i mean you know everybody was doing something different And 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 we all got along great together, moving towards a common goal. That was really a special time. And and that really that time um, and putting that record out on on SFT records, uh, no redeeming social value rocks the party Mm -hmm. that really um, set the wheels in motion for us. Uh, That that's what uh, that's what. I mean that was a tremendous release for us, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and to be with all those bands as well, like that, that helped pump us up too, because people would be like, "Hey, shit, I got the District Nine record." Yeah, I mean, who are these <laughs> guys? No the redeeming social value. I'm gonna check them out too. They're on the same label. Must be good.
0: Uh, absolutely. You
1: you would, you would, you would have, you know, fans of of District Nine digging us, and uh, d- uh, fans of us digging, uh, you know, Fahrenheit, and and it was just a great family atmosphere, man. It, it yeah. was, it was really something special. Uh, I'm really glad that we had that, that, that experience. I mean, you know, and it's mm. experiences like that, like that, make uh, what we do make us still want to do what we do uh, as a band. It's, it's not like. Hey, uh, make a record and sell, you know, ten thousand copies of it. It's it's like, hey, let's go through this creative experience, and hopefully, other people dig it, and um, and, and we could we could have a shared experience with these people together. You know, that's sure. that's really what it is.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you just brought up a great point too about yeah, back then, if you saw, uh, you know, if you were in a record store and then you saw this band and they were on a specific label, like you said, I would do that. Yeah, if I saw a, a, you know a record that was on Striving for Togetherness. I'd pick it up, and actually, a bunch of those CDs that I did have from that label was because of that. I saw it in some, you know, some record stores, and I just, you know, you figured, okay, well, this is a great label. This is probably going to be some good stuff, and you know, that's the one thing. Obviously, I think that's different too these days. Is obviously, it's a lot easier to get your music heard now. Obviously, you just go online and listen to a song, you stream it, no problem. Back then, you had to sit there and go, "Home, am I going to fork up twenty bucks, 15, 20 bucks here to, to buy this CD? It might suck." Might be great, but you had to do it. But that was sort of the... That was what was exciting about it, in a way. You know, you drive out of town to different record stores that, you know, sold hardcore or metal or whatever, you know, specialty record stores, Um, you know, and you just go in there and you just have to, you know, take a plunge on some of these, you know, bands and cross your fingers and hope that the record you bought was good. But like I said, I mean... Yeah, I definitely I wasted some money. I got some shitty, you know, stuff <laughs> over the years. I mean, everybody did, but it was part of the fun. And then when you actually bought a new one and it was great, you felt so good. It felt you felt like you accomplished something. You know what I mean? It was like an accomplishment when you search for records. You got a new one. Maybe a, a, you heard of a new band that no one's heard of before. Then you take it to your friends. You play them this, you know, this you know band on you know, striving for togetherness that no one's heard of. And next thing you know, it starts, that's how it all started, you know, uh, spreading out and every, that's you know, it was word of mouth, you know, a lot of it where, like I said, so different today, just the whole experience of music. I mean, you were saying you got how is it? You got kids, right? Teenage kids. How is it with them? What what do you see the difference with what they're doing, obviously, compared to what you did as a kid?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, my son is a guitar player and he plays the guitar. Uh, so w- when he's playing something, I'd be like, Hey, what are you playing there? And he's like, Oh, I'm playing this, uh, you know, the theme song for this video game that I'm playing. Uh-huh. Now I would have yeah. no idea what <laughs> video game this is. You yeah. know, I uh-huh. don't know anything about those things, but he'll say, I'm playing this. Uh, it's the melody of this uh, video game that, I, that I've been playing and stuff. Oh, that's cool. You know, and my daughter is, 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 a, is a very good drummer. She's in her uh, school jazz band and, um, you know, so she's familiar with a lot of different forms of music as well. Um, she'll, you know, she'll come down to our basement where I am now and we have the drum kit down here and she'll come down here and she's playing, you know, um, she's playing jazz songs or she's playing uh you know cream or or led zeppelin mm-hmm. but then she'll go up to her room and she'll put on like Billie eilish you know what i mean that's sure. what kids take nowadays mm-hmm. um but i think i don't you know that whole experience of going to a record store that you described and and seeking out music that you don't you're just going into a record store flipping through the through the stacks there and hey wow this this celtic frost album cover looks pretty badass Mm -hmm. i've never heard of celtic frost um but man this looks really cool you know like what could be what could be what's in this thing what 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 do these Mm -hmm. guys have to say and then you bring it home and you put it on and you're like holy shit man this is this is something else Mm -hmm, you know which which that that experience is sort of uh you know record stores are coming back now which is awesome to see and vinyl is sure. coming back mm-hmm. now which is great, is great yeah. um uh but but that experience is sort of i think lost on this generation cuz like you said uh, if i want to hear you know a particular song if my if my daughter is playing a song and i think the song is good i'll uh, I'll, I'll what do you call it i hit the thing for Shazam i'll, I'll find out what it is mm-hmm. i'll go on to uh youtube i'll listen to the song if it's cool i'll go to iTunes i'll buy it it's it's like that. I mean, I, I'm the kind of person that still tries to discover new music and new bands and, yep. and, mm-hmm. and, and just new stuff like that. Uh, a lot of people just, they, you know, like anything else in life, I mean, uh, instead of going and trying to find a really awesome Italian restaurant in, in your neighborhood or in another neighborhood you've never been to, you know, uh, nine people out of 10, just go to the freaking olive garden and eat the shit. <laughs> yeah. Fed. I know I mean, it's that's, true. That's, yeah. That's it's a good point.
0: Know, yeah. That's
1: that's our culture uh mm-hmm. you know nowadays but that's what separates the hardcore and punk scene and 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 people that look and uh, and, and seek out real artistry and, and people that are doing something different from, say, like, you know, the mass media provided garbage that, you know, 99% mm-hmm. of the rest of the world listens to. Yep. And quite frankly, they should keep doing that and they should have it because uh, yeah. the hardcore <laughs> punk scene is a special scene. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's maybe not, it's for, not you. for you. Exactly, you
0: know? yeah. <laughs> no totally admit well you know you mentioned earlier before about Warzone, and i know you guys uh a person that had a big part in sort of getting your guys uh you know career uh i would say going but he kind of encouraged you guys to do more of the hardcore you know shows and stuff was yeah. the legendary frontman rabies um tell us a bit how he how much he really helped you guys out during those days such a such obviously a legendary guy in the new york hardcore scene oh
1: man when you said that like i just as you saying that i'm sitting here and and I'm getting chills like I literally my hair is standing up on my arm. Oh, um that's how, you know, that's what a how big a uh he put us on. He put us on big time. Like, I mean, we literally coming out of Queens playing with these metal bands, not knowing anything or anybody, like wondering, how do you get a gig with Agnostic Front? How mm-hmm. will we play with the circle jerks? Um, we've never played with the circle jerks, but you know, <laughs> yeah, theory, I know
0: what you mean. Yeah, um, in theory, um, <laughs> yeah.
1: but you know, you know, things like this, like how would we play with negative approach? How, how do you, how do you do this? And we mm-hmm. went down to see Warzone one night in Manhattan when they were sort of in like a like a weird state as a band. Um, I, I guess after the first two records came out, and they were sort of, you know, like they were just i i don't know who, even know who was in the band i don't think todd youth or any of those cats are in the band anymore it was mm. just like these heavy metal guys that ray was playing with and um our old drummer Vinny uh went you know he, we had a demo tape and uh we brought it to the show thinking hey maybe we'll see somebody that uh that would dig our band and we'll give them the tape and what well, we saw you know rabies and Vinny went up to him after the gig and said hey man look i'm in this band uh, i love your band here's this tape, if you could, you know, just maybe give it a listen and, uh, you know, that would be awesome, man. It was, you guys did a great set and, uh, peace out. And mm-hmm. then, like, week or two later, I still have the message, like, on, uh, somewhere, it's actually on one of our CDs, um, it's rabies called up my, my phone and he leaves this message like, Hey, this is Ray from the band war zone. And, uh, you know, I heard your demo tape that one of you guys gave me, and I'd like to love to put you guys on a show. So, uh, call our manager and, uh, you know, this is what we'll do. And we played a gig with them, uh, downtown Manhattan. Um, and it was really like the first, uh, it, it was probably like the first real, like New York hardcore show we played, um, business this- before that we We had no idea Like this scene Was going on Like oh shit Bands like Like we, we knew You know okay Now we knew There was a CBGB's We knew there was uh, At the at the time The, the pool bar And uh, and places like this But mm-hmm. you know we, we had no idea How to get a gig At any of these places So sure. when we gave him The, the demo tape And he, he called us back We were like Whoa holy shit Like mm-hmm. this guy We have his records At home and, and he's calling my phone And now he wants us To play a gig with them And we were so sad that's awesome band. yeah we were, we were like <laughs> we were beside ourselves you know wow. and then over the years our our, our drummer Vinny, he he went on to be uh be the drummer of warzone and and, mm-hmm. and helped them uh, you know in their like sort of second coming of their band um and uh and our, and our bass player dre and my, my younger brother kent was in the band at one time and uh mm-hmm. and man i mean like we were so close with those guys you know mm-hmm. um and yeah, it was it was really uh you know, we used to we used to set up gigs. We'd set up a gig, uh, hey, we're going to play Albany, Pennsylvania and uh, you know, wherever this this next weekend. Let's mm-hmm. get let's get, you know, three gigs back to back, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll do us will will go, you know, we'll bring Warzone and we'll we'll bring Rejuvenate, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we'll all go out and we'll play these gigs and we'll we'll make it a fun time. We'll jump we'll all jump in the same van and we'll and we'll do this thing, you know? And it was like it was just it was a definitely a special time, you know, and, and uh and then uh when Vinny and and Dre joined the band uh, and went over to Europe on Warzone's first European tour, um, they would cover our song, Skinhead's Rule. Mm-hmm. And when they came back from uh, Europe and told us this, we were like, oh, come on, what are you kidding me? And then people started writing us letters from Europe, like, hey, fuck, man, I heard, you know, Rabies was uh, saying that this was a song by a band No Redeeming Social Value, and we should check it out, so I'm writing you this letter, how can I buy your records and all this other stuff? And it was really... Uh, like whoa, what the fuck, man! Warzone was playing our song. That's crazy. That's
0: awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really
1: like it was really wild, and you mm-hmm. know, we were just we were friends, you know, from from the scene for for years and years, you know, and sure. and uh, you know, Vinny and and Jay and everybody being in their band and stuff. It was just like it was just awesome. I mean, we were with them all the time, you know, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was just great. You know, yeah, man. uh, he, rabies and, and, and our other buddy, Johnny stiff, who was a radio DJ, uh, on a hardcore punk show, uh, on WNYU crucial chaos radio. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they used to play, you know, all the hardcore punk stuff, yep. man. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. and, and he, he was another guy we gave the demo tape to, and he would play it all the time. And people started to know us from that. And I'm still friends. I'm still friends with Johnny stiff, you know, still nice. very close friend of mine. And, and I'm, we're, grateful to those guys for you know showing us the way like hey you guys like come on there's a scene over here you guys should be playing with to these people like don't Mm -hmm. play to those metal guys anymore you know (laughs) they don't give a shit about you they think you're funny they think you're a joke you like the comedy relief (laughs) Uh yeah so it was definitely different experience for us once those guys got us more into the hardcore scene you know
0: yeah sure well you know and, and uh not to keep harping on uh, you know, negative stuff here, but you just you brought up Vinny. You know, Vinny Value. Yeah. Obviously, he, uh, yeah. his recent passing. Go yes. ahead and tell us. You know, talk a bit about him. I know he was such a well respected. Not only not only as a drummer, but as a person. You know, within the scene.
1: Yeah, he. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Vinny was, you know, one of the most talented, probably the most talented musician I've ever met or ever had the pleasure of being uh, in a band with. I mean, the guy was just. He was such a prolific songwriter. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was. uh, He's in the band. He was in the band Gray Area. Those guys uh, Mm -hmm. got some some awesome records. Oh yeah, definitely. A huge fan of Gray Area. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was in Warzone and helped uh, basically took that band from nothing, and uh, they were they were like having a hard time and him and and jay and dre those he those guys dragged that band back up to the top yeah i remember that um Mm -hmm. you know they this guy was any band he played in it it was just he had his own style yeah i mean i was i mean i've been friends with vinnie since we were you know teenagers and Mm -hmm. uh it's yeah how can i how can i like quantify that that experience in life um mm-hmm. it's you know it it's really it's still hard for me to wrap my head around that he's gone i i still have a hard time with it mm-hmm. um i think i something that in life i'll never ever really get over um you know i still want to play gigs with the guy i still want to record music with him mm-hmm. um luckily we were able to do that on this last record he was um, our last, uh, vocal session, uh, for the record while we were wrapping everything up, Vinnie and our old singer, Mike, and, uh, our, our stage manager, Mac, uh, came down to the recording and, uh, we got, we were lucky to get Vinny on one of the songs. He, he sort of heard one of the songs. He's like, wow, man, I really like that song. Like that's, that to me, that's a, that's an awesome, you know, hit song. And mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, thanks, Vin. I'm, yo, great. Glad you like it, man. And he's like, no, you know what? do you guys have any of like this type of stuff on the record? And we're like, well, no, not yet. And he's like, give me a shot, man. Give me the microphone. And we were like, (laughs) all right. And he went into the vocal booth and he banged out some like some, uh, some, some background vocals for the song uh, NYC and RSV, which Mm is the final track on the record. Um, And that was just like a spur of the moment thing. And and that's, that's how Vinny was. And he, he heard music and he knew exactly how to react to it. Mm-hmm. He, he, you could, I, me, myself, uh, my brother Kent, the guitarist of No Redeeming, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Vinny, we were, uh, sort of, we had this other little side band that we were doing in, uh, in, at my house in my basement for a while. And we had, you know, we were thinking maybe we should do some recording or whatever. We still have those songs kind of hanging around, uh, we we had the notion to maybe we would uh you know do something with them one day sort of like record them to the way that vinny would want them to be recorded mm-hmm. um but it, the, he when we did that little thing you know after not playing with vinny for quite some time you know with him being on the drums kent was the guitarist and i was playing the bass um like the guy like immediately as soon as the guitar started playing he knew exactly what beats and fills and and and, and everything to just put there it, it was mm-hmm. like the guy, it, it, you know, people are, are great musicians, you know, and people learn how to play uh, instruments and stuff. This guy, like he oozed music like he just it, it it was just coming out of every pore of his body at all times. It, mm-hmm. It's crazy how how that how that was. I mean, we were very lucky to to have that experience with him. It, it definitely made <laughs> it definitely he definitely made my musical experience like amplified times you know a million because Mm -hmm. without him i wouldn't know as much about music as i do now you know and i'm Mm -hmm. not just talking to bands i mean about like how to write a song how to make music how things should sound what you're really looking to do here Mm -hmm. you know type of stuff so yeah i mean the talent there was just it, it was off the charts
0: sure yeah well now rest in peace to him man and like i said he's obviously i've heard so many stories about him and he's so well respected and uh yeah yeah, you know, it's unfortunate obviously he gone too soon like a lot of guys in the scene yeah. are and um but obviously he'll always live in you know in infamy with uh, no redeeming social value and Warzone we're, and all those and all those bands. Will yeah.
1: always keep his memory alive for sure, no sure. matter
0: what. Yeah, no, no doubt. So yeah. um so coming I mean, I know obviously we the pandemic. you know, we got the pandemic going on. What's your guys' I guess your ideal situation once this comes to a close um you guys looking in the tour I, obviously you guys got a huge fan base in europe um that's where i think yeah a lot of hardcore bands do uh just because and i've been told you know over the years that you know, a lot of it has to do is you know with the europeans once you're a fan you're a fan for life whereas you know here in the states unfortunately it's it, it's more i guess of a trendy thing you know so people kind of come in and out of scenes and bands and you know and so it's it's not like it is in europe where yeah if they love you they're going to come see you till the day they die so um what so is that you guys playing you guys uh, planning hopefully you know once this thing dies down you guys gonna get, get over to europe and and do a bunch of shows over there to uh, promote the record
1: most definitely um most definitely the uh the, the record is uh, wasted for life is being released in the states on dead city records mm-hmm. it's going to be released in europe on reality records mm-hmm. uh and we certainly have plans to go over there and promote the record we did uh i think it was last march um uh, march of 2019 we were over there and we played three gigs over in europe uh, with the California. You know, a Thrash Band XL. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were over there with them. We played some gigs with them. We played uh, a festival in, uh, in, a, in our, our home away from home, uh, Maastricht. Uh, in Holland, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we played Eindhoven, and uh, where else did we play? We played, uh, we played a festival in Belgium as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we plan on uh, going back there and, and, and promoting the record. We plan on playing as many gigs as we can to promote the record. I mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. what we do. We, we play gigs. I mean, we, we are a band. We, we practice once a week, every week, for mm-hmm. the last 30 years. Um, uh, and Gosh. we play music, man. That's what we do. We never joined the bowling league. We don't have, the <laughs> dart league. We, we didn't, we didn't do that. You know, we sure. get tattoos, we drink, uh, alcohol and we, uh, we, we were playing a band. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. our joy in life. And, and we want to share that with people. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're really excited to, to people to hear these songs and then to play them for the people like th- this. We're really excited about that. I mean, th- there's nothing like, you know, you make a record and you don't know what people are going to think of it. And then sure. you go to the gig and you play the song and people are singing it with you. And you're like, man, that's cool. Like they dig it. Like we we did the job. We we. The mission is completed, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh, we're definitely going to be doing that. Um, what else are we doing? Uh, you know, we're always writing new music. We're always rehearsing. Uh, we have a video coming out for the song wasted for life. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to have another video coming out for, um, uh, NYC uh, NRSV. Uh, we plan on making a video for the song shatterproof, uh, this pandemic sort of sidetracked that progress. Okay. Um, but we plan on doing that. That's going to be like a, uh, like, a like, you know, with actors and a full life drama thing, whatever oh, cool. the heck you want to okay. call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, probably some scenes of us playing it as well type of thing. But yeah, that'll be like, a you know, a, like an MTV style music video. Mm-hmm. Um, MTV music video. That's funny. That now I'm really dating myself. Here, I, they don't have music video. No, they don't. It's been a while. <laughs> right. and, and for that matter, like, what is MTV? Do people even know
0: what that oh, is? Oh, yeah. Good, that's a great question, man. Absolutely. Uh, I have no who idea. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's even on that that channel anymore? I haven't put that thing on in uh, kind of, it, it's since, Definitely not Michael Jackson. No. Nah, once. Yeah. Once Jersey Shore was on there, man. I was. That was it. I cut the right, cord right, right there. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah. We try to. We try to avoid the. <laughs> oh yeah you guys i don't i
0: mean <laughs> that's just that's one of the reasons i think i i, I mean i i'm you know i love uh i love growing up in new york but i don't miss those guidos i don't even, i mean i don't even know if they're are they still around the guidos is that still uh, oh yeah dude they, they just never go away do they it's like it's like cycles with guidos i remember as a kid like in the 80s you saw them you they kind of died out a little bit in the early 90s and they came back went away and then it came it's like it, it cycles every like six to eight years A new generation well, like, of guidos did, come in you know they,
1: they come around like that That seven years <laughs> cicada thing yeah know? exactly yeah. every <laughs> few years like the, the, the grease oozes out of the earth and the guidos just slide uh, up with
0: it you know what I mean <laughs> it's, uh. it's,
1: yeah it's really something
0: awesome man. Well, I, you know I definitely hope to you know get to see you guys the last time I saw you guys was uh, back in 2012 and okay. uh, when you guys played at Webster Hall with D.R.I. and Mucky Pie I flew in from oh, California a yeah, yeah man, was... a great show man I, I grew you know I, I flew in just yeah, when I saw that I'm like that's it I'm going to go oh, back cool. for that. yeah right. I, I had to great see that man that was... And yeah, um, yeah, great time. And I, I got so fucked up that night. We, I remember me and my buddy. We bought a bunch of merch from the the Dead City uh, table, and right. and we were such idiots. We we bought it before the show was even over. It's like, what the fuck are we gonna do? Carry around this shit, <laughs> you know? What, what the hell are we thinking? So the guys, the you know, the Dead City guys, were just like, oh, dude, you guys, if you want, you could just leave them here, we'll watch them feel. We we're like, ah, oh, great. And then we got so fucked up, we left the show and forgot, f- totally forgot to get them. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> but that's great. But that's that's, uh, that's a good, you know, a great experience. I'll, I'll let them know. I'll let them yeah. know. What did you
1: order? I'll let them know and send
0: it to you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's all good. But I mean, it's just a <laughs> just, uh, just show. I mean, what a great time. You know, obviously, anybody who's uh, got a chance to see you guys, I highly suggest it. You guys never disappoint. You put on such a not just musically, but entertainment wise, you guys put on just a. You know, that's the one thing I don't see much anymore too on stage. You don't see people doing a like a show not just playing music up there with instruments but you know having fun and and bringing out the props and doing all that stuff you just don't see that stuff anymore it is so important to do
1: that i think we always we always uh had that mindset you know your friend Uh we 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 knew like hey your friends are only going to come and see you like the first time maybe the second time by the third time if you're not doing something to get people's attention you're finished man like that's Mm -hmm. it like you really need to to it's I would never say that I'm a musician. I mean, I play a few different instruments, but I would never call myself a musician because what we do with the band is—I'm basically a riot starter. I entertain mm-hmm. people. I'm there to entertain, and that's what I do. That's what we do. We're—we're, we're, uh, you know, entertainers more more than anything else. You know, the music sure. is part of it, but the the stage show is—you got to have that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to have that.
0: Yeah. So. Not so all. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, yeah. So, wasted for life. It comes out August fourteenth on Dead City Records. Uh, and uh, any plugs you want to throw out there, Dean, while we uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, I always want to plug uh,
1: our favorite beer, Old English eight hundred malt liquor. Everybody should buy it and drink it all the time. <laughs> uh, I would like to plug. Uh, I would like to plug Pitchfork. Pitchfork, New okay. York Hardware. They're uh, they're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. They released our single "Wasted for Life" with uh, with our friends from Arizona called Thug Riot. Um, the that's another great band on that on that seven inch with us. Uh, that's available now through Pitchfork. Um, the pre-order for our new record "Wasted for Life" is happening right now as I'm doing this interview. If you want to buy the cool. limited edition 12 inch vi- colored vinyl. Um, you should go to generation records, which is a record store in New York city. I and mean, mm. you don't have to go there physically. I mean, you can, if you'd like to, um, but, uh, you can go through their online store and you can purchase that record. And I would do it quick because it is a limited amount of the colored vinyl available. And once it's gone, well, you know, everybody wants that first edition, uh, press of a record. So, you mm. know, you could say that, uh, that you got that, um, yeah, man, that's that's the deal. You know, that's that's where we're at right now. And we're excited for the new record and we hope everybody digs it and uh you know, check us out. That's what I could tell you.
0: Yeah, well, fantastic, man. Well, yeah, go ahead, like I said, everyone get ready to pick up the new release from No Redeeming Social Value called Wasted for Life, August 14th on Dead City Records. And why don't we go ahead and close this uh podcast out dean by go ahead and pick a song off the new record we'll go ahead and we'll play it for the audience and if you have a story wow, story cool, about man. it go ahead and tell it yeah
1: oh geez what do we want to play all right why don't we play um why don't we do um i don't know man why don't we why don't we do brew crew how about that brew crew
0: that's that's yep.
1: a great song we great wrote a song. song about all our friends Um, and all the good times that we have together and, uh, you know, just kicking back and have a few beers. So cheers to everybody that that tunes into the podcast and and gave us a chance. And uh, and cheers to you for letting us tell our story. And I hope everybody digs the song, man, Brew Crew.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, here we go. Here's Brew Crew, No Redeeming of Social Value. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. i got nothing to do. Blue, 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 blue. Call my friends, they're drunk too. Blue, 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 blue. Hit the streets, 40s in hand. Blue, 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 blue. Don't fuck with us, we're a hardcore band. we Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast, and be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com for all comments and questions please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com.